The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to him, Self, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours to own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I have to admit that this parable from from Jesus is a real head-scratcher from time to time, right? The final statement from our reading, you can't serve both God and wealth, is pretty straightforward. Our devotion can't be divided between God, the God of all creation, and a product of creation's greedy lust for power. But the parable, the story that Jesus uses to bring us to that teaching, to that lesson, takes a few twists and turns along the way that that lose us. Because it really doesn't make sense. A manager gets fired because he's accused of being careless with his master's property. It looks like the master's earned his wealth through some kind of dishonest means. And so that leads us to question... The character of all people involved. And sure enough, hoping to set himself up uh, for another job after being let go, the manager calls in his master's debtors and reduces their bill, hoping that they'll remember him and they'll cut him some slack and give him a job once he's unemployed. Humor me for a moment and think of your own personal debts. Wouldn't it be nice if the government called and said, take your student loan bill and cut it in half? Or if the bank called and said, take 20% off of your mortgage or your car payment? 
For us, that would sound pretty good. But in the course of this story, how much sense does it really make? This manager's been accused of being careless with his master's property. And so the first thing that he does is he hurries up and he he tells the people who owe his master, pay him less. It's like this guy's throwing money out the window left and right. The best explanation that we have for what this manager's doing is that he's reducing the debt down to the cost of the loan. Striking away the profit of interest that his master would have made on the debt. And it's to this that the master congratulated and praises the manager. Think about that. He gets a pat on the back for doing exactly what he was being fired for. Being careless with his master's resources. In the world of business, one crafty person recognizes the shrewd tactics of another. And even though the master is out a substantial amount of money and product, credits the manager for the gutsy move. Tell me how you would feel if someone came along and ultimately cheated you out of what you were owed. It appears that the manager gets the praise because even though he costs his master money, the manager created the appearance that his master is generous and kind and forgiving to those who owe him. And in this society, the society in which Jesus lives, one's honor and status, one's appearance, is worth more than its weight in gold and in goods. But of course, as we know, Jesus isn't concerned with appearances. He's concerned with genuine faithfulness and honesty. With genuine loving communities. And with the truth of God's kingdom come into the world. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If you have not been faithful with this dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? Being shrewd or cunning or clever may get you ahead for a time, Jesus is saying, but how well does it really pay off in the long run? Things may look okay for now, but how many enemies do you make cutting corners and skimping by? Who would ever trust you not to just manage their property, but but to give you a precious gift to have as your own? How much work do you have to put in to always reacting to a problem? Never resting in the peace of mind that you've done everything to the best of your ability and you don't have to second guess yourself. Is our temporary comfort worth our character and integrity? The manager says that he's unfit to dig and too ashamed to beg. Telling us that he's not accustomed to honest work. And I'm talking about more than just manual labor. He spent his entire life cutting corners. And all of us know that our work requires time and energy and investment. 
a lesson lost to this manager who now finds himself unable to consider doing, doing the right thing, the faithful thing. We also know that there are times where we can't carry on by ourselves. We need help from others. And in those instances, yes, we are like beggars, dependent on the mercy and generosity of our neighbor. Here still this manager is too ashamed because he spent his career taking advantage of those For those who could provide for him, as well as those who may have been begging for relief. Either way, he's made no friends to aid him in his own problems. So for all of these negative images, what is Jesus trying to say to his disciples, to us? I believe that the lesson to be learned in all of this is that the manager, if he'd have just been faithful, if he'd have just been trustworthy and honest in his duties as a steward and a caretaker of his master's property from the beginning, he never would have found his head on the chopping block. At the end of it all, no one is actually in a better place than they were when they started this story. You know, I came across something this past week, um, but for the life of me, I wasn't able to find it again. And so I don't have um, the person who said it, but it was a quote. And the quote said, you don't own the money in your pocket. It's just your turn to spend it. And yeah, I laugh a little bit too, but it's really clever, isn't it? If we think about the way that wealth is transferred from person to person, from storage place to storage place sometimes beyond the lifespan of multiple caretakers, it makes sense that we really do own nothing in this world. And so I'd like to amend that quote for today. You don't own the money in your pocket. It's just your turn to take care of it. The word that's used for manager throughout this parable can also be translated as steward or caretaker. Jesus wants us, all of us who would call ourselves his disciple, to be faithful caretakers of the blessings that God has given us in all things, great and small, one dollar or a million, regardless of how they fall into our laps. To lie or to steal in a small thing is still to lie or to steal and is never justified. And for this, Jesus says we cannot serve two masters because the one will cause us to cheat our neighbors out of house and home just to get ahead, while the other calls us to sell all of our possessions, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. And those are two very different paths. And while we can't serve two masters, what this parable of the dishonest steward has to teach us is that there is a way, a faithful way, to utilize whatever wealth we have in our service to God and not be divided between the two. In serving God, we can use our wealth of 
of money, of time, of property, of our relationships with other people by turning loose of it, by not clinging so tightly to that bill so that at the end of it we we make true, genuine friends, building up the community of fellowship and love that God has intended for us. Jesus' disciples are encouraged to mimic this this dishonest steward in this way. That they don't concern themselves with making a profit. But rather with alleviating the burden of debt that holds their neighbor captive. We pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us in the Lord's Prayer, right? Another way to say that is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This petition of the Lord's Prayer offers a description of what it means to live as God's faithful. We forgive the debts of those who have wronged us because God has promised to forgive us as well. Remember that God doesn't need our stuff, but our neighbor does. And God wants for everything that we are and everything that we have to be offered in worship as an investment into the wholeness of our neighbor. Which means that all of us, all of us can live free from debt. Not just in terms of loans and money, but the debt of guilt and shame and heartbreak that weighs us all down. Remember how good it felt to imagine that your debts had been reduced or cleared. In the resurrection of Jesus, that isn't just a fiction, it's our reality. And in the emptiness of Christ's tomb, we have the opportunity to care for ourselves our time, our possessions, all that we are and all that we have, the things that we value most in this world, and invest them into the neighbor whom God has called us to love and cherish, to let them know that their debt has been cleared too. God's mission for the church is to nurture a faithful community that lives out this trustworthy stewardship of God's blessings. God's mission for the church is to build up a community of people who aren't connected to one another by profit loss or debt or guilt or shame. But genuine friendship and fellowship with all people. God's mission for the church is to make this life-giving gospel, this good news that our debts have been forgiven and forgiven through Jesus, known to a broken and burdened world. It's not our wealth. It's just our turn to share it. Amen.